Howdy gamers, it's Layton here from Layton Night, the podcast that you're currently listening to in case you accidentally stumbled upon this, in which case I am sorry, but just wanted to let you know that there is a video version of this episode that is up on our Patreon for all tiers. So if you want to join us over there, depending on the tier, you can get all sorts of cool benefits. We do mini-sodes every week. We do some fun videos. Uh, you get access to our fan discord and overall it's a really lovely time and we would love to have you there. So without any further ado, here is the audio version of this episode. So if you want to do the video version, you can go to patreon.com slash late night or not it's really whatever floats your boat. Anyway, episode. So, Jory, keep talking about how much you love Alec Baldwin. <laughs> uh, I think that it's a complicated case, and I think that if we're going to make it a, a study of character, then I think that he's shown himself to be uh, a model individual who's never had any kind of record of acting irrationally or bizarrely or uh, being terrible Uncoolly. towards his children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's certainly hot as hell. We can all agree on that. So weirdly enough, I never saw like Hunt for Red October or anything like that when I was a kid. Like, I think the first time I was ever aware of Alec Baldwin, and this is like, is weird, but when did the Royal Tenenbaums come out? Like 2003? Oh. Sounds about right, although maybe a little later, but yeah, roughly that. Yeah, I, he's the narrator of that movie. And I think weirdly, oh, that fuck, was the fr- right. that somehow was the first time I was ever aware of him. Like, even though that is he had, very interesting. Yeah, like tons of significant movies, obviously, before that point. But I think somehow that was the first time I ever really heard his name. For me, I'm pretty sure it was Red October because that would be my appropriate age movie. I think that's his first like blockbustery thing that I'm aware of now in retrospect. For me, it, it was 30 Rock because I started watching 30 Rock when I was in like sixth grade. Oh, my God. And I thought Liz Lemon was so cool. <laughs> wow. I can't imagine what it would be like to have that be one's first exposure to Alec Baldwin. Because like to me, the whole point of 30 Rock was he's not the Alec Baldwin he used to be. He's older. He's got a little bit different body type. You know, he's more stentorian or what, like, you you know, he's a different figure than he used to cut. And part of the, what I enjoyed about that character was how it related to the Alec Baldwin we all used to know when he was, you know, 20 years younger or whatever. But of course you wouldn't have known that. Nope. I was just like, wow, funny guy. Neat. Yeah. I was thinking about this recently. I, I think it is very interesting, you know, with these stars that have long careers, how you check in at different times. And some people only see the old stuff first. Like if there's an actor who is working into their 70s and 80s, and that's the first time you know them. You don't, you're not even aware of, you know, the hundred movies they shot oh, yeah. ahead of time. And it's a totally different thing. A couple of big examples for me are like Michael Rooker, who it's yes. like, yeah, I, I saw like Slither and that's like, that's the yes. first time I think I ever was aware of him. Or like Harry Dean Stanton is a real big one. Yes. It's like, he has so much stuff that I still haven't seen. For me, that was Repo Man with Harry Dean Stanton was the first like Harry Dean Stanton movie I ever saw. I still haven't seen Repo Man. So much praise for Jory, it. can we watch Repo Man? I've never oh, seen it. I want to watch Repo Man And I've gotten so much shit for having never seen it. 
It's a watch along. It's definitely the kind of movie where it's not going to be as great as people say it is. Yeah. You know, it's pretty rough around the edges. It has a lot of great stuff, but it is definitely a victim of its own cult status. It's like a Buckaroo Banzai or a Six String Samurai or something like that, where the movie actually isn't that amazing. It just kind of precedes itself. Whoa. A little. <laughs> Hold the fuck on with Buckaroo Banzai. Because. <laughs> Because I could not disagree more about that. I love Buckaroo Banzai. It is a very flawed movie. Okay, sure. There's a lot of insane stuff that happens for no good reason and nothing really makes sense. And they decide to not describe basically anything. Yeah. That's part of what I like about it. And the dramatic stakes like wildly deflate in the third act. So that suddenly (laughs) suddenly it's just a farcical comedy, even though there's been like an actual threat of death up to this point. Yes. (laughs) I deeply love. Actually, I was just talking to a friend about it. Layton, have you seen Buckaroo Banzai? I don't want to exclude no. you from this conversation. No, okay. exclude away. One of my favorite things about having you guys together is that you mesh very well. Finally, the white male point of view. Is on <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's stop talking about Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to talking about manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> what? Ha, what? Ha, uh, ha, ha. There it is. Thank you, Jory. You're welcome. Brian, you have to repeat the joke that you said that made that funny that I don't think we were recording when you said. Well, I can't remember the setup now. Sorry. No, no, no. It was Jory said murder, corrected to manslaughter, and then you said, Brian. I call it man's laughter. And I chortle at that. Right. Yes. I artificially, you know, brought that out and I still almost did a spit take with my naked juice. So <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, it was very Thank sincere. You. Thank I you. just had a naked juice last night for the first time in seriously 10 years. I have not bought that kind of product in a very That's long crazy because I had a juice naked this morning. <laughs> yeah, and you, you 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 were doing that thing that you see on Reddit where it's like you were sending us photos of your hand holding the juice and it was like <laughs> Brian. We, and you could see like something's up here. Yeah, Part yeah. of my leg, yeah. Jory, can I guess what flavor you got? Oh, yeah, I think you good. can. Was it Mighty Mango? Oh, it actually wasn't. <gasps> was it the green one? It was the green one. How was it? I'm not a fan of the green one. Me neither. That was always my favorite, both of that one and of the other one, which starts with an M. I want to say Morningstar, but that's the vegetarian chicken. Not <laughs> Green Machine. Green Machine is the green one, right? No, I mean the brand. It's called like Morning Hill or something. Oh, yes. Uh, And it's like a semi-local or something because I just got some of this in Ralph's the other day. Jory, I know exactly which one you're talking about and I can't. I used to buy it at Kroger, which is the Ralph's is a regional imprint of. So that does track. Yes. It's like something farm, right? Yeah. It's it's like a little cursive thing at the top. Yes. I just had this. Yes. And it's cheaper. There's like a coffee one that's really good. Milkington. (laughs) Milkington. Yeah, Stan Milkington was the character I used to play in high school. Wait, was this like a persona that you had at the time? Yeah, he just loves milking. (laughs) People were off-put by this, correct? (laughs) No, as far as I'm concerned, no one's ever been off-put by anything I've ever done. (laughs) Why would you pay attention to that? We need to put a pin in Buckaroo Banzai, but I had this like embarrassing affectation once where for some reason oh, in high wait. school, I I turned in an English paper once. It was something about family and I, mm-hmm. I maybe I had just been reading like The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for the first <laughs> time. I was like a real Anglophile at this phase, but everything about the essay was totally normal, except I exclusively referred to my mom as mum. <laughs> 
And I remember my I remember my English teacher calling me on it like like this was supposed to be like from your POV. Did you did you really call your mom mum? And I remember like I think I'm a pretty good liar when I need to be, but I remember I remember very plainly what a terrible job I did of lying where I was like, Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got. <laughs> Thinking back on it now, it's like, why did I do that? That I, is I, I, amazing. I don't want to dox your mom, your mom, excuse me, but just knowing your mom's name and just the general aura, the idea of you calling her mom is very, very funny. That's incredible. Okay, let's talk about affectations we've had because this is very interesting to me. Okay. There was a period in college where I got really into using boss as like a slang word meaning cool. Like, oh, that's boss. That's boss. Uh, And it was not in fashion at the time, which you can tell because it was a thing I was doing. That was probably like 80s slang. And I remember someone once calling me out. They're like, are you from Texas? You know, because it was so out of place for a college in Northwestern Massachusetts. That's the first one that comes to mind for me. Most of my affectations probably just have to do with the fact that I was like pretty out of touch and just like had bad taste when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you're no longer out of touch. Uh, you're out of time. <laughs> maybe that was actually what I was trying for was that I was like, maybe I was trying to act like I was like an old soul. Because don't get me wrong, I, lo- I love Steely Dan very much to this day, but like I exclusively yes. listen to like Steely Dan and like the band and things like that. And yes. I, I would like try to get on with my teachers about it. I had a sculpture teacher in high school whom I would talk to about music and I would like start talking about Steely Dan and he would be like, I like Rage Against the Machine. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, yes, I'm, I'm 40. That doesn't mean I like Boston. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, my entire life is just a uh, catalog of cringe, but I think maybe a much more put on affectation that is only an affectation now because I flipped in the reverse direction. Look, so I was on the school news show in middle school, right? Like I, oh, I dropped wait, out of orchestra. Wait, wait really? This yeah. Is exciting. Oh my I, God. I played viola for two years and then it was like, you can have another elective and you can, you know, be on the little school news team where you make the news every week. And so I got on there and they let me have my own segment, and my segment could be whatever I wanted. This is like a broadcast thing? I mean, to the school, they would show it on yeah, the yeah, little yeah. TVs, and then they That's would put it online. Blatant. So I think How did I some, know this? somewhere they used to be online. Anyway, but the segment that I chose for myself, I'm just oh, reiterating that this is a thing that I chose to exciting. present to a school of middle schoolers who were not nice. My segment was called Word Nerd, where I played a superhero who corrected people's <laughs> fucking grammar. Yes. And I did that faithfully every goddamn week. I had a costume. Oh, Layden, that is so great. What was your costume? It was a big felt W and a cape and then like glasses with tape on the middle. That's fantastic. Do you I've have gotten any messages pictures? in my adult life. Like, it's Word Nerd. It's like, no, oh, I, I have to no. jump off a cliff now. Wow. Um, I'll Please see. tell me you have a picture of this. Please. I will see if I can find the picture. I think the like AV Club weekly segment word nerd would be too cute of a fictional specific. Like if that was in a screenplay, it would feel too on the nose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like I was willing to subject myself to this <laughs> shit. Anyway, so I was a big, you know, that early 2010s, like some e-cards, like 
grammar corrector, you know, I was that type. And so I was very militant about all emails, instant messages, texts, proper punctuation, grammar. If you do anything less, I think Ah. you're a fucking idiot. And now I turn off spell check. I turn off auto caps and auto punctuation. I'm not doing it. We're freestyling. It's coming from the heart. And fuck whatever I was doing then. Also just, I was so quiet aside from being on the school news that despite the fact that I spoke every week, on the school news, people thought I was fucking mute and I would be asked <laughs> if I was mute, like repeatedly. Uh-huh. And that pissed me off. So I would not say anything. <laughs> Great. Good. Fun and cool. I'll see if I can find a picture of Word Nerd. I love that. I love that for you. I love that yeah. for all of us. Yeah. I had my Jesus sandals. I had like rope sandals that I wore all the time. Hemp? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I got them from what? a yard sale. I can't picture what you're talking about. They were just sandals that were made out of rope. I thought they were really cool. They were not. The like Tiva style sandals? Like what is the style of this sandal? No, it was almost like a flip-flop. Like, Send me you know, a picture of a foot. Yeah, hold on. Let me uh, boot up MS Paint. Right. I want to like, you know, post some vacation pics and I was looking at it and I was like, this is a fucking cornucopia of feet. I can't post any of this shit. Yeah. It's a uh, foot... Photopia. What hell? Brian, you're still all about that wiki feet, right? Uh, am I all about it? I mean, I think about it basically every day all the time, but I wouldn't say I'm all about it. Yeah, I mean, it's like specifically um, your obsession with your own profile. Not- well, you know what? I honestly have not checked. I guess this is a good time to do it. I'm we're doing all it as we here. speak, and I, I apologize for looking at my phone, but... I haven't looked at wiki feet men, of course, for a while. I got good news, my man. Oh, you holding steady? Right, you know what? Yeah, b- break it to me. I'd rather hear you break it to me. Actually, you know what? I guess I, I guess I don't know what it was the last time you looked, so I don't know if this is an increase or a decrease. Four point nine one. That is really good. Oh that is shit! Really, really, really good. good. That's I think bizarre. this looks like the the same pictures I had before. I think. Yeah, those are good feet. That's a good rating. Okay, now let's look at Dan. Oh shit. 4.9. Hell yeah. Fuck you. Holy fuck. 4.9 what? Just 4.9 Just 4.9 straight. That feels engineered, frankly. Edged him out, baby. Okay. I've done a very good drawing of a Jesus sandal that I will text to the thread now. Great. I want to reiterate that this was made of very itchy, uncomfortable rope, and I don't know why I love them so much. Oh, yeah. Okay. I actually, I, I do 100% yeah. get what you mean when you call it a Now I understand. Sandal. Yeah. This is a hot pick. Thanks, yeah. Well done pick. Mouse? Or do you have a Cintiq off camera? Oh, mouse. Mouse, yeah. Hell yeah. Well done. Well done. Wow. I do have my tablet that I had whipped out, and then it just was not plugged in. Now, I, I, I want to, to billboard something that's going to be mentioned later in the show. I have a, a tablet update for you, but I'm not going to say what it is, but it's not good. Can I reschedule this for 2 a.m.? Or is it going to force update? <laughs> yeah. Well, wait, are, are we plugged in? <laughs> it wasn't plugged in last night, so it wasn't able to update. Yeah. It's a really good bit. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we diverted from the original question. Yes. Of affectations and also Buckaroo Banzai, since you're so fucking desperate to talk about Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, I'm very excited to talk about Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other embarrassing affectations I've had. I've had 48 years to have embarrassing affectations. 
nothing will be as embarrassing. And this wasn't mine, so this doesn't count. But there was a guy I was in a science honors program with, like when in high school, we didn't go to the same high school as like a regional thing. And that actually was at Columbia. And I think it's still going on. Anyway, this guy who had no, as far as I could tell, German heritage would constantly scream, ach du lieber, whenever oh, he no. got excited about something. In that classic, like, nerd way. I will always remember that as like a really standout affectation where even at the time as a walking catalog of annoying behaviors and affectations myself, I was like, that's a little much. Don't get me wrong. I probably shouted Mein Lieber or something a couple of times when I was a kid. And it was sure. like a reference to Wolfenstein 3D yeah, or something. Right. <laughs> yes, But it is like, I think back on having known a couple of those kids who would like challenge a history teacher about their knowledge of like what the Luftwaffe was up to in Africa in 1941. And it's like, nowadays we understand the types of like <laughs> psychological traits that lead a person to be obsessed with the military actions of World War II era Germany. And I think back on that, like, I don't know how to assess that on a case-by-case basis. Well, for me, those were like my friends in middle school. I was token girl that was also token girl who was easy to bully. <laughs> and you were, you were token, right? Like, Yeah, token. you know me. I was super... Token the weed. Is that a Boston song? Yeah, token <laughs> the weed. Yeah. Well, no, token... Smoking? Is smoking a Boston song? Hold on. You're not thinking of uh, Steve Miller, are you? Is that Steve Miller? Well, I understand he's uh, a smoker, a joker, and a midnight toker. I feel like I'm looking at my phone a lot in this, but there's just some Googling to be doing. Yeah, it's the song Smokin' by Boston. Wow. Anyway, to finish that up, I was like with all the outcast, like super smart, grimy boy. Like that was my friend group of all the like weird gamers, but they were all on 4chan and were obsessed with South Park. And Uh, so I was in that milieu. It was lovely. Yeah, I was in the, I mean, it was nerds, mostly centered around my math class. Everybody in my class, except one other person was a year ahead of me. And so we did a lot of socializing with that calculus class. We were all on the cross-country team together. It was a lot of fun. I was a teacher's pet up through like middle of high school when I got my first, um, I forget if I ended up getting an F or if I just got a D in chemistry, like AP Mm -hmm. chemistry. And that just like broke my brain and I never tried ever again. (laughs) Like uh, (laughs) I I recall a nickname that I had in my calculus classes in like senior year of high school where somebody called me, somebody called me Sleepy Jory because I would just go to that class and just deliberately go to sleep. I would just put my (laughs) head down on my desk and sleep. That's basically a Rick and Morty character. Uh, in that it's a thin, hackneyed premise that you, can't, that you can't lampshade until it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's just those those kinds of classes, perfect for napping. Chemistry was also my breaking point where I was like, wait, I'm not good at science because uh, uh, now there's math in it and this sucks. Okay, was this when you had long hair? I mostly had long hair in college, which is maybe mm, even more daring. Yeah. But I had Same. like a shoulder length mop at the time. Uh, wait, were you a pony guy? I was a waist pony guy. Like Whoa. it went all the way down. I yep. was like shoulder blade level. I was I'm fucking impressed. Real fucking cool. That was me. I bet. Did you wear glasses, Jory? Nah. I think I uh power of suggestion maybe brought on by some kind of uh 
uh, Munchausen by proxy <laughs> thought that I had bad vision when I was a child. <laughs> oh so I had a glasses prescription for a number of years. And then I was like, did that you give you me a headache? Need? I don't need these. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks, Mumsy. And I still have very good vision to this day. Yeah. Wow. We keep almost returning to this buckaroo bonsai thing, but I, I have a question. What are some of your favorite or most impactful needle drops in TV and film? This is so funny. I was literally just thinking about this and listening to the song. That, that, okay. Asterisk next to this movie. It's at the end of High Fidelity when he puts on, I believe when I fall in love this time, it'll be forever by Stevie yeah. Wonder. It is as like the last scene in the movie. That song rules. And as like a final like capper on the whole thing to just go out on that. To this day, it's one of like my all time like, wow, that just like buttoned everything up. Really, really mm. nice. And I love that song, independent of that. The asterisk on that movie is I'm pretty sure if I watch that movie again now, I would find it intolerable. But mm. maybe not. I don't know. Winning performances, top to bottom. I think, like, redeem it. And the other thing I was thinking about that movie in particular is when Jack Black, at the end of High Fidelity, gets on stage with Sonic Death Monkey and sings we didn't know who he was and we as a culture did not realize he could sing unless right. you've been like paying attention to, I don't even know if the tenacious D stuff was out at that point. I think it probably it was, was, but I'm not yeah. sure. I think the HBO show was already out, but I didn't know about it. Yeah, and me neither. it was one of these rare moments where, you know, even two years later, that would not be possible, but it was like a, what the fuck? Oh my God, where did this guy come from? Like throughout the whole movie, he's this like annoying, all talk, you know, kind of character. And then when he comes in and actually brings it at the end and can really sing, that was a very special moment in history where he was just about to really break and kind of took off. Anyway. It's also, I think, a very, very sweet character beat. Like, it's a it's a very fun reversal of expectations from him being yes. such a shithead throughout the movie. I also remember in High Fidelity, I remember seeing that movie and going in thinking, wow, John Cusack hasn't done jack shit, like, recently. <laughs> like, where the fuck has this guy been? Which now is, like, maybe it had been a year since his last movie. But he was so iconic for, like you know, Gross Say Point Anything. Was, and yeah. even when he was in Gross Point Blank, I remember thinking, wow, what the fuck has John Cusack been doing? Nothing. And now there was like two years in between, you know, his last movie or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So that's my needle drop answer is that end of High Fidelity. Great what answer. about you, Jory? I might just be thinking about Buckaroo Banzai. Hell yeah, you are. One of my favorite needle drops in a movie is um, the ending credits of The Life Aquatic, which is like kind of an asterisk on the movie. But uh, that movie's closing credits are like a shot-for-shot ripoff of the closing credits of Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> yes, correct. They're set to uh, Queen B-word, of the, the bitch, which I, is a word I You can say, say it. <laughs> Let but, Jory uh, say bitch. <laughs> no. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's get it clean. No, Just say, as an ally. Okay. Jory is okay. being an ally. That's true. So <laughs> he's nodding his head. Like, yes. <laughs> say it like an ally would say it. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the from the David Bowie album "Hunky Dory," which is a song I really love a lot now, but mm-hmm. I think that was probably the yeah. first time I had heard it, and I think it's a very well done homage to Buckaroo yep. Bonsai. 
some of the best ending credits of all time are the Buckaroo Banzai end credits. Absolutely. Have you ever been on hold and heard that song? No, have you? Yes. What? I think it's actually, I use the mobile phone carrier Ting. It's like one of those pay-as-you-go ones where they like piggyback off of T-Mobile. Okay. And I'm pretty sure they have that song as they're holding music, which is pretty dope. That's incredible. That's great. Layton, needle drop? I do not have a definitive answer to this question. The reason I thought of this question is because I was thinking about that scene in Manhunter where William Peterson as Will Graham... (sighs) The shootout at the end? (laughs) First through the glass to Inagata DeVita. And it's fucking fucking great. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so good. (laughs) So that's a big iconic one for me. Also... I've been talking about this movie and this particular scene for years, and I've just come to accept that nobody will watch it or will watch it and be like, that was fucking stupidly and led me astray. But the total eclipse of the heart pool knife fight scene in The Strangers 2, Pray at Night, better than Baby (laughs) Driver. Baby Driver fucking wishes. Also on that note, I hate Baby Driver, and I think all the songs selected were fucking mid. I've never seen it. One of my spicier takes tends to be, and of course, I think the lukewarmness of what I'm about to say probably (laughs) speaks to how spicy my takes are. Edgar Wright, man, I don't know. He seems awesome. I really like him as an individual. Yeah. Wait, wait, you don't like the Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright movies? I like Shaun of the Dead enough at the time. I like how kind of nasty it is. But yeah, Hot Fuzz, I think. Oh, I love Hot Fuzz. I love Hot Fuzz. Wall-to-wall great jokes. It's full of amazing jokes. I just think as a movie, I just find it kind of confusing. I I also do not like the Cornetto trilogy. I don't understand the appeal. Jory and I have spoken about this, that I like how how kind of mean Shaun of the Dead is at the end. Scott Pilgrim is my favorite of his, and even that's dubious because that's a real, like, nostalgia one for me. I like that movie a lot. Like, I wouldn't call that dubious. I I think it's a fun film. I think Jory and I are aligned on several different um, strains of deeply contentious takes that I will not call out (laughs) some of them. No, call them out, please. No. Oh, there's one in particular that would really piss you off, Brian, and that's going to make you think. Oh, no, you have to tell me. And I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Please tell me. I also don't know what you're referring to. to, You can't say that and not tell me. I, (laughs) Jory, check your Discord. Just tell it. Oh, yeah, I don't know. That one is like, no one can reasonably be offended come on, by that. Come on, 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 tell me. Um, Brian, I am going to, I am going to tell you the thing Leighton texted me in a way that I'm trying to be as diplomatic about as possible. Okay, yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me, so, please. I promise I won't be mad. Anytime big, exciting news comes out, Involving um, astronomy, uh-huh. any kind of like long range, uh, like lunar at, at lunar. Jesus Christ! I'm so nervous about saying this and I'm <laughs> trying to find the words. Jory, your, your eloquent defense of your position is already winning <laughs> over. I'm falling apart here. Um, any kind of like telescope imagery of like far away galaxies and things like that that are so beautiful we all feel very moved by them in that like mm-hmm. tiny blue marble touching the face of god type of way okay i if you say you don't I, love these with all of your being i'm going to explode <laughs> uh my 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 reservation about them tends to be regardless of the 
potential beauty of space and the things you don't, that we just might be say able to your fucking thought jory just say it you don't need to qualify it just, it's just, just that there's it. people starving on earth and whenever i see <laughs> stuff that's like space based i feel a lot of dread about the state of life on this planet i i think that's fair <laughs> however if you spend any money on the entertainment industry then one could argue there's always hey we could be allocating our resources differently right i don't, I don't i'm, I'm and, I don't, and I'm not saying your your position is invalid because I think it is a a a very fine opinion to have. Hey, we should be allocating resources, you know, to things that actually matter. But oh no, n- Wait, none of us. Brian's, none Brian's of us argument here is Brian's <laughs> argument here is very critically well formed and serious. He's he's taking this very seriously. He's not taking this in the light in which I hope he would. In the extremely lighthearted way in which we kick it back oh, and no. forth in our very no, cynical no, 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 Discord no, no, discussions no, no, no. about being no, depressed. No, 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 and no, how no. I will take this seriously. <laughs> uh, space is dumb. Sure. I don't think space is dumb. You're mischaracterizing my position. What you just said, Jory, was dot dot dot. Space is dumb, and we all heard it. No, I'm just. I'm saying that my my wonderment <laughs> at, at the beauty of space is tempered with just a little bit of. That's fine. That's all. I don't disagree with you. (laughs) Can I tell you, honestly, with a lot of these space stories, I also don't really care about them because I hate the reactions to them. It's like when a celebrity dies, like the performance (laughs) of being excited about it. Yes. It's like like when a celebrity dies and everyone's like, thank God Harry Dean Stanton is gone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm going to draw him in a cowboy hat with a halo above the cowboy hat. And I'm going to post that on Twitter like a very normal person and expect praise for doing something completely fucking weird like that, of conflating people with characters they played that meant something to you when you were eight fucking years old. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. I I have a friend who was uh, texting me semi-recently about black holes and was very concerned that a black hole was going to eat the earth. And I was like, okay, but are you worried about climate change? And he said, no. And I was like, okay. Mm. So this is a good example of priorities, right? The black hole will not eat the earth. It's not going to happen. End of story. I mean, maybe in however many billion years or whatever, sure. On a human timescale, irrelevant. So there's an interesting question of priorities here, which I think is a good discussion to have. So I actually, I like this conversation I don't like the fucking attitude you brought to it, but that's a separate. Uh, Jory, thanks for falling point. on that sword. I did not intend to put sorry, you Brian. in 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 harm's way. Just sorry, Lane. No, I think it's valid. I, I think it's valid. Have we talked about the other? Sorry. One that I mentioned in the Discord. Oh, the other one. I have way less apprehension about being. Oh yeah, I also about. have no apprehension. So Leighton texted me two things, and space was the one I was worried about, which again, I think space is beautiful. I just think that that black hole thing is a perfect example of the type of priorities that can be misplaced there. The other one is the movies of Pixar, which... Oh, yes. We've discussed this. I loved the early ones when I was a child, and now that I am an adult, I look at them as morality plays that are repugnant, and I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Repugnant morality plays is the perfect (laughs) encapsulation of my issue with this shit. Yeah. The one that keeps coming back to me is how much people fucking love Wally. Wally's a tough movie, yeah. I don't like Wally. <laughs> There's so I, many I issues. I agree with you on this. 
But the one that I see nobody talk about ever, and I hate being this person because I try not to be the kind of person who distills all of my criticism down to like one issue and then get very strident and holier than thou about it. Yeah, it's a cinema sin. Yeah. (laughs) But the the major message of the movie is fat people are bad and lazy. Yeah, 100%. I thought that when I watched it. And for comedy. Like, are you fucking joking? I could not agree more. It is one of the many things I don't like about I, I generally like Pixar movies. Wally never did anything for me. And that was a big part of it. It just it seemed cruel in a way yes. that was completely yeah. unnecessary. There is a very bizarre vein of cruelty in the Pixar movies that I think, yeah. Jory, you have a really good example of with Up, particularly. Yeah, Up is fucking inexplicable, man. <laughs> so, because, like, a lot of this stuff is, like, in retrospect, where it's, like, I think the first time I saw Wally in theaters, I probably liked it quite a bit, and it kind of is, like, upon decades of reappraisal, or decade yeah. and a half. Up was the first one that I saw in theaters that I was, like, actively repulsed by, where... <laughs> mm-hmm. Their movies, like, they they have these, like, weirdly rounded corners when it comes to, like, the integrity of their storytelling, mm-hmm. where I think that they are pretty universally lauded for having well-realized villains who then <laughs> suffer terribly and die as a, <laughs> as a punishment for their crimes. And yeah. you're supposed to be like, yay! <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think that in the case of Up, that movie has the fucking opening sequence everybody creams their jeans for that's like so right like yes I, that's exactly what happened to me i creamed my <laughs> jeans when i saw it and i was like why am i coming so hard when this old lady dies everybody's creaming their face jeans yes. <laughs> jerick jerick either cut me saying that or double the volume on me saying that however he feels appropriate but um we spend so much time talking about how tragic our protagonist is and then we move on to introducing that our antagonist is tragic in almost the exact same way. (laughs) And they both have manifested that in almost the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And then we're happy that one of them does a big Disney fall and dies. I don't understand the choices in those movies at all. Here was my question about Up, and they never resolved this. As a prequel to the Michael Apted series, it just Mm -hmm. makes no sense, right? Where are the children? Where well, are they're, they? They're, they're all being born right off screen. That, yeah, but you need to say that. That's what I'm saying. And also, call it zero up. Okay, don't I just call do it up. I agree with that. Yes. Okay, I'll give you that. The facial gene creamery over the first 10 minutes of up drives me. And it's it's the larger issue Note of the to way self, that- to self, open a gene creamery. <laughs> the way that people laud Pixar's storytelling- It's so bare bones. I don't think it is a good basis to be working. I think it's a very bad thing to hand to a bunch of, say, art school students and be like, this is a pinnacle of storytelling. Like, no wonder we have so many fucking moralizing teens on the internet who are incredibly draconic about the way that they view the world and any amount of complexity because everyone's like, Pixar is exactly how media is supposed to be and it's all supposed to make you feel good. But Pixar doesn't make you feel good. And I say this as someone who likes Pixar movies. The reason people like Pixar is because at least once per movie, there's going to be a very manipulative cry thrown in there. And then people talk about that as if that's a good thing rather than just emotional terrorism. (laughs) 
Pixar's emotional terrorism is the headline for this episode. I will say the one very, very manipulative Pixar moment that will forever work for me is, what is it, Sarah McLaughlin, When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2. Just because that one got me real bad as a kid. Mm -hmm. Is that the sepia-toned flashback of Jesse being abandoned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I also have abandonment issues, so that one hits. Also, Inside Out. Fuck Inside Out. I hated Inside Out so goddamn much. I wasn't wasn't very much a fan of that. Oh, Jory, I would love for you to watch it just so we can shit on it. I think that a lot of their movies have very good qualities. I think probably I would say the earlier ones. Because they weren't as much of an emotional terrorism (laughs) crocodile tear factory initially. And I think probably Monsters, Inc., if I think about it, is like a well-rounded, just like, fun comedy that has some emotionally sweet moments. Yeah. Maybe not great towards women. Interesting take. Interesting take. <laughs> yes. I, I really love Monsters, Inc. And I think it rides on the voice acting being incredibly good. Great. Not to say that the other Pixar ones aren't, but it's just like a very electric combination. We know Buscemi's there. in it. We know. <laughs> Here's my challenge to A24, is to release a series of high-budget horror films that have the exact same titles as Pixar movies. And you know you can Inside Out kind of Easy. rates itself. Easy, Right? Mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc., Monsters University, sure. Toy mm-hmm. Story, terrifying. Sto- Toy Story 2, 3, 4, slasher films, right? A Bug's Life. A Bug's Life, that's right, as it burrows into your skull Yeah, the or gestation whatever. of, indeed, yep. yes. What else we got? The Incredibles could be literally anything. Up is a snakes on a plane situation. That's right. All of these would make good horror movies just with these titles. That's a very I think someone should do it. BuzzFeed 2011 listicle joke of you. That's what I do. Do we want to try doing Disney princesses reimagined as like hip college students? Yeah, Layton, here, take this which Disney princess are you quiz that I'm going to write right now. It has okay. one question. Which Disney princess are you? Uh for payment under the okay, table. Okay, great. Your answer is Cinderella. You're Cinderella. Thank Congratulations. You. Yeah. Well, you have to ask Jory. Jory, which Disney princess are you? For Please say Sebastian. Under- <laughs> what do we think about uh, the design of the characters in the Jean Favreau Lion King and in the uh, the upcoming Little Mermaid? I refuse to pay any attention to this. It takes up brain space that I don't want to spend on it. So I, I don't know what they look like. I don't want to know what they look like. I have That's zero fair. interest. But it sounds like you have thoughts that I'd like to hear. I don't know. I, I never know what those movies, whether it's just that there's a lack of family entertainment. But like as an adult with adult friends, I think about those movies like they barely exist. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, same. The John Favreau Lion King is like one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Crazy. Like, yeah. That's nuts to think about. I have an actual child I live with and raise, and we never even once discussed seeing any of these live action movies. I just have zero interest. I'd rather rewatch the animated version. Yeah, I, I saw Pete's Dragon and Maleficent, which are like, I think maybe like interesting revisionists. Cause like Maleficent is like wicked or something like that, where they're right. sort of, right. you know, they're flipping it on its head. Yeah. And Pete's Dragon is more just like, you know, I think that's, I forgot that's a about short Pete's Dragon, film. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's like a pretty sweet movie. Tonally, it reminds me of like the Spike Jones Where the Wild Things Are, where mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. adding a strain of melancholy to an original story. Right. They're kind of just like making it into My Neighbor Totoro, I guess. But I don't know <laughs> if this was just my age group, 
But were you two subjected to Puff the Magic Dragon endlessly as children? I think it was like my fifth grade teacher. For some reason, the two songs I remember them playing for us were Puff the Magic Dragon. Yep. And uh, Killing in the Name of. <laughs> uh, is the song called In a New York Minute? Is that a Don Henley song? In a oh. New York Minute. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, is that Don Henley? Plausibly so, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, just like trying to punctuate their lessons with like things like that, where it's like, I don't remember what she was trying to teach us with Puff the Magic Dragon. It's pretty bizarre. That song smoking sucks. I was subjected to the song a good bit as a child. Yes. It's just why it's exactly I. Okay. Here's a spicy take that many people disagree with as a creator of children's music and children. I do not like that. A lot of children's music is folk. I hear folk children's music and it makes me want to claw my ears off. So much of it is exactly the same person and a guitar type stuff that it drives me nuts. Now, there are a lot of people doing other stuff. Uh, you know, we certainly try to do other stuff. My band, lots of other great bands do. They might be giants, amazing kid stuff, you know, like lots of counterexamples out there. But there's so much fucking folk children's music. I, I don't get it. Why, why are we doing that? Can we just move on from this genre? And I imagine it's it's very new, very manufactured with none of like the character or history or like person with a weird voice that is actually or, or like narratively interesting things happening in the folk songs. That's like shit that is actually good about folk music. Yes, that's right. That's right. Or it's I mean, the other way it goes is it gets very preachy. And it's like trying to teach a lesson, whatever that lesson might be, which, okay, fucking fine if you're going to do that. But when I hear a kid's song, I want it to be silly and fun. I don't want to, you know, even though I care deeply about the environment, I don't want to hear a kid's song about saving, you know, the environment or whatever. It's like, no, there's, there's other places to, to do that. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's just inertia? Like, is that just an assumption about the form of what a children's song sounds like? I think that's part of it. I think also people who have different tastes than I do actually like it. So I think it, it does relatively well. It's also easy to make. You know, if you're one person making kids music, all you need is a guitar and a voice and you can do it. But you don't hear as much, you know, like voice and piano kids music. It always seems to be like guitar, ukulele and voice. Right. The ukulele is especially... That was a choice that someone actually made to be like, this song needs a ukulele. And there's a time and a place for ukulele, which can be a really great instrument when used well. But often it feels engineered to be like extra twee. And I have... Yeah. I can barely make it to twee. I can't get to extra twee without getting upset. I think I yeah. Agree. I've made this joke to you, Brian, now probably four times, but we were walking around late at night trying to find a place to eat after Creator Clash. And there was a guy yes. who was doing live music outside of a certain place that was open. And he was playing guitar, but there was a ukulele laying there. And that was a threat. So we went somewhere else. <laughs> we also went somewhere else yeah. for different reasons, but a, a ukulele just laying there is a fucking threat. Yeah, I agree. And when it, again, great instrument when used properly, but ooh. Yes. I think like maybe is part of that also just like, those songs broadly kind of have to be soundtracks for like a kid falling asleep. Like they sort of have to serve the purpose of a lullaby. Maybe. I was thinking about that with, with uh, those records that are like 
Metallica, but for babies. Twinkle, oh, twinkle, yeah, yeah. little rock star. Yeah, that's the lamb. Because <laughs> um, it, it feels to me like it's like, I don't know, just pick a playlist of actual Metallica songs. But I guess maybe, yes. I don't, I'm not a child, child psychologist. Maybe that could destroy a child's brain. No, it can't. Come on. I no didn't way. think so, no. but I don't know. I've never destroyed a child's brain before. I don't know the specifics of it. But I do think, generally speaking, I, I don't think it's the instrumentation necessarily. I think it's the tempo, right? And so clearly that's not entirely true. You can do a slow thing with like insane power chords and heavy distortion. Yeah. It's probably not going to be relaxing. I feel like 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 no, that They Might Be Giants album is pretty much just a normal They Might Be Giants album. Yes, and 100%. Like, and it's great. Yeah, and their other ones are a little more slowed kid down. Yeah. yeah, kid tempo, yeah. I love no. I used to play that for Audrey all the time. It's a great album start to finish, whether or not it's for kids. When we started making kids music, that was one of my like, that's how to do it right. That totally makes sense. Before we forget, please finish the Buckaroo Bonsai take slash discussion. Oh, just a real, just a real piece of shit. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that movie so much. I, I love yes, same. Peter Weller, Clancy Brown, John Lithgow is just so Jeff Goldblum in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Ellen Barkin. Ellen Barkin is like so underserved by that movie and she still Very does such a good job with it. Yes, Young Jonathan Banks. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Who I assume already looked very old by then. Yeah, this is like around the time of um, Beverly Hills Cop 1, where like he basically already looks like Mike. Just Mike, like looks like the same guy got shot with an age ray. Yeah. (laughs) So, Leighton, the plot with the women characters in Buckaroo Banzai is that Buckaroo Banzai is a rock star secret agent brain surgeon, rocket scientist, who... His previous wife, Peggy Pretty, got murdered by the villainous Hanoi Zan. And then halfway through the movie, he meets... Uh, Penny Pretty. Her, her previously unknown twin sister. And immediately they fuck and get married. <laughs> uh, and then in the Buckaroo Banzai expanded universe, which is... In, insane, the work of an addled mind. She then immediately gets murdered by the villainous Hanoi Zan. <laughs> yes. Head of the World Crime League. But so one of the yeah. things I was going to say is a friend of mine, uh, a very dear friend who is also a Buckaroo Banzai fan, just recently read the Earl Mac Rauch Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League book and said it was one of the worst things he has ever read. The reviews are pretty damning. I've been thinking about reading it. He said it's 600 pages, for one thing. That's and a fucking manifesto, dude. Yeah. yeah, he said it was just awful, start to finish. And I was curious if you had read it, but I guess I not. have not. But I, I do feel like the movie, I think, like, cleverly escapes cancellation. There's just, like, little things and little choices where oh, it's, it's definitely not showing you certain fine. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like... The fiction of the world of that character is pretty deplorable. Yeah. The, the villain is just like, a, as far as I can tell, like a an Asian villain stereotype straight out of the 40s. It's, 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 it's pretty fine. gross. But it doesn't yeah. come up in the movie at all. Right. Because that's a different, that was going to be the sequel, which never got made, although kind of got turned into Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, yes. kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. Which a movie that also kind of weirdly just like, has just the right amount of representation. The thing I think about with Big Trouble in Little China is it's like, maybe the white protagonist is just enough of a dipshit. Oh, he's an idiot. He's a total idiot. If he was like a swaggering hero who like succeeded at his goals, maybe the movie would feel grosser. And not a complete himbo. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. When he shows up in the glasses and the tie to the brothel, oh, that's that's A plus Kurt Russell right there. Yeah. Oh, I, I just, if I could choose to look like another human being, I might pick like that era Kurt Russell. It's pretty great. Or like Nick Cave. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to segments? Yeah. I feel like we, we went back to the pin in Buckaroo Banzai and then I was really negative about it. No, I don't. It's a great movie and it's idiosyncrasies it just make it better instead of worse, which I think and is And as really a rare. misogynist, I find those plot points that yeah. some might find oh. icky a selling point. Absolutely. And a never better Peter Weller also. Like, oh, yeah. He's, he's extraordinary in the movie. Peter Weller had a real run there with Buckaroo Banzai, RoboCop, and Naked Lunch. I mean, like, what else do you fucking want from Peter Weller? I always forget about the Naked Lunch movie. It's, oh. I've still never seen Naked Lunch. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's kind of just like a Cronenberg anthology Look, I'll take thing. A, I'll take a Cronenberg fine, because a Cronenberg fine is at least way more... I mean, fucking Crimes of the Future. What a mess, but it was oh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Getting nowhere near it. Uh, there's only so much <laughs> Cronenberg I can handle, and Naked Lunch is pretty much the extent of it. Yeah, have you seen The Fly, Brian? I like the fly. Yes. Okay. All right. You like the fly? He's a monster. <laughs> Look, he had some. The way he treats women in that movie. <laughs> Brian. I think he had some good points, <laughs> is all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's perfect, Jory. I'm just saying he had some good points, which were well expressed. Agree. Look, whether you agree with his position or not, you have to agree. You have to agree. That guy is fucking cool. And he has that it factor that so many of us desperately crave. It's all clicking into so, place now. Brian's always talking about, oh, you got to look beyond the veil of flesh, Jory. That's right. <laughs> Get in this teleporter with me, Jory. Yeah. <laughs> We've been down this road so many times. And every time I go, all right, wait Maybe. a minute. <laughs> Next time. Soon. So it's going to happen. I've been too polite about it. I just realized. <laughs> Slightly off camera in that studio is a yeah, pod. It's, it's just a giant pod. Yeah. Jory, will you come into my garage real quick? Just real quick. Jory, just go first. Go first I and close I have wine of a fine vintage in here. Yes, that's right. <laughs> For the love of God, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the kind of erudite reference that uh, only people with a seventh grade education would understand. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Our first segment this week as it is every week. Now, this is my favorite time in the show. Now, Jory, you have been on the show more than anybody. Is that actually true? It is. I think the only person who might beat you is Jarek, but I, I think it might be you, Jory. I think, is this number three on the main feed? I think it's four. I think it's four because we've publicly posted some of our Gabagool School episodes, right? Yes. Oh, Yeah. And uh, the Saw yeah. episode was on the main feed, I think. God, I forgot uh, about oh, that. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? So this might even be five. I have Max queued up with Saw 2. I mean, I know we're, we're talking a lot about trying to keep this short, but... Yeah, let's just watch Saw 2 right now. The first segment is... This is our pop culture recommendation segment. And as always, I like to keep this introduction short. The segment is called What's Poppin'? And the theme song goes here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Great. Brian, Brian, are you okay? Why? What is this, Brian? What's going there's, on? There's, we have one segment on this show, and it's Peaches and Lemons. Mm -hmm. 
are you, Jory, back me up on this, right? I like, can, I like well, I just, I just get worried when I hear one. this, like, this kind of arch tone, and I just, I don't even understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Like, is this just like a high concept bit? I'm so tempted. If it wouldn't kill the recording, I would absolutely close this tab right now. <laughs> That's not funny. We've been doing this for like, what, 166 episodes? There's only ever been yeah, one segment. Okay. And you've always been the host. <laughs> Brian, let there be like a beat of silence there in the recording, like he's going to insert music later. Mm-hmm. Now, Brian, did you mm-hmm. did you hear the music in your head when you said that? That's what I was wondering. You guys can't hear that. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? You know, Brian, I really, I don't want to humor this. I feel like it's counterproductive to your mental health. Why are you just sitting there? What's poppin'? First of all, I reject the notion that I have mental health. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I, I think that's a pretty concerning thing to say while we're inquiring about your general well-being because you're claiming that there have always been two segments on this show when there's clearly only ever been one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Layton? Jory? Can we talk about how you're trying to gaslight your friend Brian? <laughs> you motherfucker! What is this? Thank you. Jory. I'm so confused. This is the kind of betrayal that I was hoping to see. Shifting alliances. That's Jory. what happens in this show. Jory, how could you do this? I can tell. Wait, wait. Okay, so here's the question. I assume you communicated about this during or before the show because it was really no. great. No. Uh, yeah, the, I, my last three Discord messages are space, Pixar, and ill-conceived bit. Uh, <laughs> well, that was really great. And I do want to thank you both for, for uh, providing some additional uh, segment content. Jory, that was like a fucking Pixar villain turn for you. Is there anything you can fall off of, like a high position <laughs> just in the die. audience? Just die. No, like, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Maybe uh, unfriended style. We can just see a hand. Close it, right? Okay, we got to talk about the unfriended movies. <laughs> Brian, have you seen unfriended? <laughs> no, but I've seen clips like I do with all horror movies. I've read the Wikipedia plot summary and I watched a few clips. They're fucking good. Everyone's lying to you. Unfriended is actually fucking great. And Dark Web, oh my God. <laughs> So utterly underrated. They're genuinely great. I love them so much. Okay. I'll have yeah. to, I'm writing this down. Creamer, jeans creamery. <laughs> All right. Layton, I, was maybe, I was thinking maybe Jay Leno could be the mascot, and it's the fact that he's, he's covered in denim from head to toe. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Denim and milk. <laughs> denim sopping with milk. Yeah. Oh, I, like oh, I, God. I really like, <laughs> like that. A, that textural experience. That slap, yeah. Which we use as, a, as like cheesecloth to make Greek yogurt, Ugh. right? Uh, Filtered through Jay Leno's jeans. <laughs> yeah. Layton, what's popping? What's popping for me? I have multiple poppins. There's a book called Fatal Vision by Joe McGinnis, which is a really, really good true crime book that is the kind that was so good that when I finished it, I felt bereft. Incredibly long. It's about this guy, Jeffrey McDonald. He was a Green Beret surgeon living on base in Fort Bragg, North Carolina with his family. His family gets murdered and he's like a little bit cut up and he's like, the hippies did it. (laughs) And then he gets away with it for way too long. And the like 
author of the book corresponded with and like was with Jeffrey McDonald during his trial when it finally fucking went to trial like nine years later. It's riveting. It's so good. I love Family Annihilator true crime stories. They're baffling and fascinating. And I think like that and Munchausen by proxy, like the psychology behind those are the most interesting to me. Anyway, that book, really good. Fatal Vision, Joe McGinnis. Other two brief ones, a podcast called Pod Yourself a Gun, which is the Sopranos rewatch podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. That I found because one of the co-hosts was on the like six-parter Joseph Mengele behind the Bastard series. And I thought he was very Mm. funny. Mm. And said that he has a Sopranos. Uh, <laughs> you, you laughed, Jory. Yes. It's just, yeah. It's just the, the, I was like, wait. There's no essential undercurrent of unbelievably bleak darkness underneath this thing. <laughs> so we got no. the Joseph Mangala. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Hide Yourself a Gun is really good. Like LP from Run the Jewels is a guest. Like they get really good guests. Really? So you just get to listen to him talk about the Sopranos and he's like a huge Sopranos head. And then my last one is a YouTube channel called Very Vague, but it's V-E-I-G. And it's this 3D artist who does incredibly cool stuff in Blender and has oh. like some of the best Blender tutorials I've ever seen because there's like like a little history lesson and then approaches. There's one that's like, here's how to get an anime, like old school 90s anime style. There's one that's like, here's me going through the process of trying to recreate a David Hockney painting. Just really, really cool. And I was very inspired watching that person's stuff yesterday. So those are my three poppins. And I'm sorry that I took up so much poppin space. I love it. Jory, what's poppin'? Ah! Um, (laughs) This wasn't my let's poppin', but... uh, (laughs) A podcast I have very much enjoyed over the years, which I think has an entire season that I haven't listened to and don't remember the context of. But um, Open Mike Eagle uh-huh. has a podcast called What Had Happened Was, Yes, where the first season was about DJ Prince Paul and the second season was about uh, LP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, oh. Prince Paul was so fucking amazing. I love that season. The LP season was also really cool. And LP is like an amazing podcast guest. And like it's basically just like a very, very long form interview. Mm-hmm. It's like six hours of just going through the person's entire career. And it's it's tons of fun. It's really cool. I had this one in mind as being one of the things that I would pick. There's a 20-minute short film that I watched yesterday called Gone Fishing. It's directed by John Mackey of Big Grande and uh, written by him and starring uh, Dan Lippert from oh, Big Grande. Yeah, famous yeah. for playing Bill Welton on CBP. Of course, yes. And uh, also co-starring Mary Holland. Oh, she's great. It's just like a very... Very, very cute, like, romantic comedy type of vibe, Mm. but just with, like, very, very funny L.A. comedy people just being very funny L.A. comedy people. And it just makes me wish those people could make a feature and make a bunch of money at the box office instead of just making short films on Vimeo or whatever. But uh, very charming, very cool, very cute. I enjoyed it a lot. Nice. Cool. Uh, It's been, speaking of, yes, sorry, yes, ask ask me the question you're going to ask me. What's popping? Uh, before I get to that, I was just going to say the last week or so for comedy bang, bang, they've put out like three, two hour plus episodes because they have their book and the 14th anniversary. And I like comedy bang, bang. It does get a bit self-indulgent, but this is not my poppin'. These have all been winners of episodes with a bunch of really funny people having a great time. I think they're very winning. I stand no one, but I legitimately think the last week of Comedy Bang Bang, 
uh, and the Scott Ackerman overload might be one of my peaches for the past week or so. It's 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 been really truly great. been putting me in a good mood. And they're so long that it would be very easy to do those poorly, but they're very very funny. High point was Sean Distin's Carl Tart impression on the most recent comedy <laughs> bang bang, which I thought was very, very funny. Uh, okay. It was very good. Uh, my peach, actually, uh, it is a comedy peach. Um, Where's uh, my poppin'? My pop. Fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shut the fuck up. Uh, my pop. What is this? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, Jory. I'm so sorry. Why I'm are not we indulging questions. this? What's? I'm why not, are we indulging I'm not this? What's popping? Right, don't, don't even, don't even. Don't even right now. Layton, hasn't this charade gone on long enough? You chose your side, Shory. <laughs> I can't believe you pronounced it charade when you should have been saying charade. I uh, also pronounce it foyer. Foyer, <laughs> foyer, foyer. All right? <laughs> like the hot thing that burns? <laughs> <laughs> Who, what accent would pronounce a foyer? That, that's a St. Louis accent. Carry on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my pop-in this week, what's popping for me, is the Craig Robinson, Claudia O'Doherty show Killing It on Peacock. It is so funny. It's a Luke Del Tradici and Dan Gore creation, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine guys. And anything Craig Robinson does is funny. He's one of these guys. Everything he says is awesome. Claudia O'Doherty I think we've previously mentioned her on yeah. one of these. She's amazing. She has that like very cheerful insanity, which is extremely, extremely funny. Tim Heidecker is in it as like a motivational speaker. Oh. Yeah, his character seems like a real psycho. Rodney LaManca, I think, is something like that. Yeah. Mike the Spoon Man Mitchell is in it. Yes, but a lot of really great people in it and just really funny, consistently funny, good jokes, doesn't let up. It's about, you know, the shtick is they, uh, to make money, they go python hunting in Florida. And I would say maybe four out of 10 episodes in the first season actually involve snakes in some way. And they <laughs> tends to, you know, just be about other stuff, but love Craig Robinson. And he's in peak form in this show, which I think is very well written and acted and everything. Really like it. Damn. Yeah. Hell I yeah. That shit. Okay. So I have, I have a proposal in lieu okay. of the only segment on the show, which is Peaches and Lemons. Mm -hmm. I Does that mean you're back on my side? I can't tell. There are no sides. We're all on the same side, and that's just humanity, baby. Well, oh. fuck you in particular, Brian. Whatever side I'm on, I am on that side with Jory, and you are on the other side of it. <laughs> Great. Whoa, yeah! <laughs> we won! I Jory and I are also united in another way, in that uh -oh. I am making the executive decision because he's here and because the date is May 2nd and there's a certain thing that Jory and I have in common that will be out at a certain period that we probably yes. can't yes. can't say on this. But I did want to co-opt the final bit of this show oh, great, for shame, great. shameless plugging of Jory's horror game that I also worked on. Yay! Great. So yeah, fuck peaches and lemons. It's homebody time, baby. Oh, okay, We're good. We're not doing peaches and lemons at all. I don't have to think about two other things that make me happy. <laughs> Before exactly. we do that, though, I, my lemon was going to be the thing I, I mentioned about tablet news early early on. Can oh, I just right. say my my thing? Lemon. My thing. Can do I just say my thing? Lemon. It's not part of a larger segment. It's a standalone lemon, but I did mention I was going to say it, and it would so be complaining. Breaking, it would be breaking a promise to the listener if I didn't say it. Layton, do you want to do your peaches and lemons uh, title theme that you do? I don't know what you're talking about. 
Brian, you have free space to complain as you wish, but keep it snappy. All right. Well, okay. Look, daddy likes a soak. I'm a bath taker. We all know this. Oh, boy. And, going? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will soak. I'll take a nice bubble bath with some, uh, some Dr. Teal's, uh, some nice warm water. And uh, I might watch an episode of Columbo while I do this. I was thinking of Dr. Bronner's. I was like, is that the one with the text? Dr. Teal's is yeah. like in the blue plastic bottle. Well, no, but Dr. Bronner's is in a blue plastic bottle. It Dr. just Bronner's also has a manifesto bath? on it. Oh. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, no, Dr. Bronner's, you can use, you can brush your teeth with it. It's bubble <laughs> bath, it's soap, it's laundry detergent. It's shimmer. Whatever you want. Yeah. It's the stuff. Yeah, oh, wow. Thank, <laughs> glorious the stuff reference Tori. a winner of a film if ever there was one so I was watching Columbo in the tub the other day mm-hmm. and I slightly jostled my iPad and it fell into the tub and <sighs> I lost my iPad to no. the vagaries of water and okay but, but was Peter Falk on the screen as he slid under he fell onto my dick and it was <laughs> the single greatest moment of my life. <laughs> Which side of his face? Uh, all of it. It was straight <laughs> on there. Well, once I adjusted it, it was. <laughs> this is a different story than the one you started telling. So anyway. <laughs> this is troubling. I, lo- I fucking, due to my own idiocy, I destroyed my tablet. Which, I've been taking baths, watching shit on an iPad for many years. It is shocking this hasn't happened before. But it happened. It finally happened. So RIP my iPad. But am I going to stop watching Columbo in the tub? You know I'm not. (laughs) It's even more intimate now that he's been all over that dick. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yeah, well, he's part of a very exclusive club. (laughs) You know what? With with the power of imagination, you can watch Columbo anytime you want. That's right. Of... (laughs) Damage to property. I, you know what? That that's a good point. And actually, I did just watch. I was watching them not quite in order because I did just watch Prescription Murder, which is the 1968 made-for-TV movie that came out a couple years before the series proper started. I had a nightmare the other night. Um, this is a uh, this is my new segment. Uh, get puckered out, where I share uh, citrus fruit that makes you unhappy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I had a dream the other night where. I was at an event held by like an aging children's entertainer who, who, uh, <laughs> my ears are burning. Was like, he was like, uh, Brian. I mean, maybe. No, I don't know. I felt really bad about it. Never mind. Even just saying, well, maybe. That was such a mealy bit and I still regretted it. It's fine. Oh, the way you just said it's fine was a very soft commitment. Anyway. It's fucking fine, Jory. Move on. Okay, thank you, buddy. I feel better now. <laughs> um, but, okay, so I was at an event held by an aging children's entertainer where he was, like, doing My ears are burning. For... <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, but the Muppets were there, and the Muppets uh-huh. were, like, everybody was just, like, not enjoying the show this guy was doing. And, like, we were all adults, and, like, the Muppets are in their 50s, right? So it, it kind of... <laughs> Wait. And then, um, <laughs> hold on, back on remember, pause, 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 pause. The Muppets are in their 50s. I want to break down this statement. Did they look like they normally look or did they look old? You know what? Actually, so the dream does involve the Muppets being a little uncanny. Okay. So maybe they actually did look a little old, but I guess I don't remember. Okay. 
But I mean, if they aged in real time, I mean, how old was Kermit? Kermit already had a nephew. It when was the on series fifty started, so. years ago, ish. Twenty, I mean, forty-five. They might be in their mid-sixties or older. I mean, some of them were straight-up adults, so some of them would be in their seventies, I would guess. Well, none of them are human, though. So they'd all be dead, is what you're telling me, Jory. So in the dream, I got like distracted and I kind of wandered off. And I, I remember I was like, this was some kind of social anxiety dream where I was really desperate to entertain. Like I was like really trying hard to be like a funny, affable guy. My ears and, are burning. Um, I'm blowing that bad, but like I start to have like this like inner like second wind where it's like, you know what? I'm really going to impress these guys and be funny and likable. I walk back out into the main room and I see Fozzie Bear walking by and I make some kind of big joke. Like truly, in my memory of what it felt like in my unconscious, this joke was a fucking winner. Uh And Fozzie Bear looks at me with like uncanny valley, like tear-stained, like red eyes, like just like devastated, like something horrible just happened. (laughs) And I remember like, I remember being like, whoa, man, are you okay? And he just like kind of wordlessly like walked off. And then I found out later that this children's entertainer whose party we were at murdered Jim Henson. (laughs) And I don't know if the Muppets already knew this or if they were just finding it out. But but then, like, I mean, of course, it's a nightmare. So then I end up seeing, like, like photographic evidence that this had happened. And it was, like, harrowing. So, wait, in the world of your dream... The Muppets exist, and also Jim Henson is an independent entity? Yeah, he, I don't know. Maybe he had some kind it's of paternal like role in their lives. I don't know. So, okay, yeah. By this by aging this children's entertainer. Oh That's God. right. And they were crushed. It was really hard to watch. This rules. That was awesome. What was the joke? Do you remember the joke? Well, no, like, I mean, all the wind got taken out of it when I realized yeah. Fozzie was so upset. <laughs> because Jim Henson was murdered. That's right. <laughs> he got off on a technicality and now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And now are the Muppets going to plot revenge on this guy? That's the death, that. death to Smoochie-esque story that where you had to see. That's that right. That's uh, the, yeah, the meet the feebles style thing. Yeah. Uh, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, fucking I hate, I hate that film. <laughs> I messaged Jory about this the other day, but my single dream image that's been sticking with me is it was a gas station. There was a car parked and it was implied to be my car. This rips. I've thought about this a bunch since you told <laughs> really? me about it. The, the pump was in and it was like nighttime lit only by that eerie like overhead gas station thing. Mm-hmm. Doors were open. And then across the inside of the windshield, like it was written backwards if you were looking at the car front on, but so you yeah, could yeah. read it perfectly if you were in the car. And it just said, all lowercase, you are like other girls, smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. It's really, really cool. So speaking of that homebody. What is there to say? Leighton, you were such an instrumental part to the game coming together. And I appreciate so much all the time that you spent on it and all the hard work that went into it. Uh, oh. It's really meaningful to me. Thanks. Can you talk about what it is? But like people don't really know about it. So give us some context. Where in the Silent Hill storyline does this game take place? So it's kind of a side story. It's a lot like Silent Hill Downpour. In fact, it's identical to Silent Hill Downpour in a lot of ways where we're just kind of exploring. You just put NBA NBA jam heads on all the characters. (laughs) I I prefer to call them DK mode heads, but yes, (laughs) effectively the same idea. Yeah. 
I love puzzle games and I love horror games and I love narrative games and I love slasher movies. And frankly, it just felt kind of like a, a combination of factors that weirdly had not been explored. Uh, so Homebody is a non-combat driven survival horror slasher movie uh, psychological horror thing. And it's a, it's a puzzle game? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a pretty major puzzle element. It's the main thing that's kind of gaining progress through it because uh, it's a slasher movie set in a time loop where uh, we kind of use uh, physical space as a... People haven't played it yet, so I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm in a mode where I want to start doing like post-mortem and talking about the themes and shit. Yes, I wanted to let you lead this. I The way that I pitched it, to other people in me being like, I have, I worked on a horror game that's coming out soon is like, it's an A24 movie, but it's a horror game, which cheapens it very deeply. (laughs) But I think that, you know, one of my peaches was going to be that I've been playing Homebody the past couple of days and it just, I love horror movies. I love watching other people play horror games. I usually cannot for the life of me play horror games. Homebody is the exact horror game that I can play and enjoy. And that is like so rare for me. But if you played Dream Daddy and you liked Dream Daddy or you like episodes where Jory is on this show and we talk to Jory, the game, despite being a very depressing horror game, has jokes in it and is funny and characterful, which I think is like a really rare thing for a horror game. So if you vibe with that, there's more of that. For sure. Like a big part of the goal was like, Tonal variety. Yes. Very emotionally dense and pretty sad at times, but also, you know, we really strive to make it characterful and funny and interesting. And yeah, Yeah. I'm really happy with how it all came out. I think we were very successful with having a lot of things where a very funny thing happens and then a really fucked up thing happens or vice versa. And that's my favorite thing that a horror can do. And I think, hey, folks. Does your brain not work right? Because mine doesn't. Try and new Late Night with Brian Weck brain pills. <laughs> SSRIs. <laughs> It'll fix your fucking brain. They're LNRIs. No, but if, if you have brain issues. Late this- Night reuptake inhibitors? Yeah, why not? Can you just slow down on listening to the show if you were trying to? <laughs> Here's what that would be like. If you're trying to be happier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I don't like this joke. Can I go to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will you keep that that little moment in the video oh, version? This is all so really, great. I fucking yeah. love Jory, dude. He's my I favorite. Know, he's the best. He's absolutely the best. Comedic genius. He and also just a fucking sweetheart. We're gonna positive shit talk him till he comes back. The moment he comes back, we both need to say something really horrible and nasty about him. Can we commit to this? Yes, I will absolutely commit to that. Okay, great. But you're gonna, you're the one who has to say it. You you have to say the nasty you have thing. To, you, anyway. you go first. You go first. No, you you're gonna, you're going to do me dirty no, like I'm you and Jarek did on the I Panda Express episode. I would never do that. You guys did me so dirty because not only did you hit me with that, but then you cut it out of the episode. So what was that humiliation I, I for? I didn't cut anything. I, I don't edit these. You decided it wasn't going to go in the public feed because your old man ears were too overwhelmed by... I thought I thought the audio quality was not up to our usual standards of excellence. Our usual standards of what? Cum excellence. jokes? Yeah. Oh, but excellent, oh, we can take excellent, the cum jokes. Excellent cum jokes. But we can't take a little bit of a wooshy wooshy. Oh no, that's too much. 
That's too much for their sweet listeners' ears. If you want the worst quality audio, give us money. Look, I have no standards for jokes, but I have high standards for audio (laughs) quality. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're not cum jokes. They're cum explorations. (laughs) All right. That's fair. Hi, Jory. Hello. What's going on? The ultimate power move would be for you just to not come back (laughs) and let this roll and then unfriended close the laptop. I, I I was really hoping that you were going to come back in time to catch me in the middle of screaming at Brian, which is what just happened. Why? 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 That's a good fucking question, Jory. Why was Leighton screaming at me? I never know, and I don't care to know. What's going on? What's going on is that I don't listen to women. That one is true. Yeah. I'm not comfortable commenting on this bit. Well, you can comment all you want. Whose side are you on? Jory. Which side are uh, you on? Which side are you on? I'm on the right side of on? history. Whoa. And politics. <laughs> like Leighton said earlier, I'm an ally. Can we just get a real quick, let's go branded from you? Please. <laughs> All right. Well, what I'm really excited about is to play Homebody. That's what I'm really excited about. Thanks, Brian. I'm really excited for everybody to play it. I have like really turned a corner with it where, you know, that point where you're working on something creatively and all you see are the flaws. Yeah. Where like lately when I look at and play the game, I just feel like really happy and excited. I'm so proud of it. And you should be, Jory. We've been watching you work on this for fucking years Years. and years and years. And it's amazing. It's weird. Yeah. Thanks. I'm super excited about it. Jory, these episodes with you are my favorite. It's just the best. I love having you on the show. But no, thank you for being a true high point of what we do here. These are my favorite episodes. And I love that we get to do them so often. That's so generous and kind. I really appreciate it. I'm always happy to be here too. Thank you very much. Thanks for pulling the biggest numbers that we get for any guest. And it's because you're the best. That cripples me. I can't, I can't ever think about that anymore. No, truly. Jory, you're one of my favorite people. It was such a pleasure and a fucking honor to work together again on Homebody. And I'm really proud of the work yes. that we did. And like oh, yeah. our in-person writing sprint was like highlight of my year. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really proud and honored to know you. And it's, yeah. And I have to say on, yeah. on a personal note, as an ally, it is nice <laughs> to meet another ally. So, mm. you know, we should, we should form a little club of allies and yeah, teach yeah. everyone else how to like really fucking do it. Right. I feel like, yeah, I've just been yeah. wandering through the streets of Los Angeles, Holly weird, looking yeah. for an honest man and to finally find one. It's right it's, here. It's thrilling. Do you have, have you seen the newest star is born with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper? No, I haven't. Her character's name is Allie. And at one point you see a big billboard with her face on it. Andrew, it says ally, except it's her name, but it's a giant picture of Lady Gaga that looks like it's just screaming ally underneath it. It's my favorite part of the movie. That's very funny. Well, to all you allies out there, keep. Oh boy. It's pronounced Uh, allies. All right. I guess we'll see if I get next to wishlist homebody on steam. Yeah, please do. I would love for people to check it out. Make me really happy. That just tied it to like a personal emotional thing. I hope you enjoy the game is what I'm saying. They're going to. Wow. They will. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. 